Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. So right here, right now, we are in the middle of our series on the Lord's Prayer called Heaven on Earth. Heaven on Earth. And the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that Jesus gave us as a way to experience the infinite, to build our relationship with God, to enter into the very presence, the satisfaction of God. And our aim during this series is to equip you with a prayer that is directly from Jesus and continue to build our church on a foundation of prayer, to learn to be people who learn how to pray, to begin to contend in prayer, and who hear from God clearly in their everyday lives. Those three things are so important. And one habit we're building in this series is we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together because there's something powerful about unity, especially at a time like this when you know, we're all apart, we're watching through screens. And so this ancient practice of us all standing up and saying it together, you're going to do it, I don't care if you're in your bedroom, you could be on a train right now, I don't know why, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, but that's fine. You might be on a train, you can be anywhere right now, I want you to just stand and we're going to say the Lord's Prayer out loud together. Think about what a witness this is going to be to your household. So why don't we stand and repeat it with me out loud, we've got the team here with us, we're all going to say it together. And the words are going to be on your screen. The translation's from the NIV. And just say it with me if you've got got it in front of you there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So good. Well done, everybody. Well done, team. Love it. Tonight, we, uh, as we continue to dig in, we're getting into the second and third petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Now, a petition is just a request, right? It's something we're asking of God. And the second and third petitions in the Lord's Prayer go together really neatly, and they go like this. Your kingdom come... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, this is a challenging pair of phrases. And I want to tell you this, church. If you can live this out, you've nailed Christianity. So that's good news, because this statement is at the heart of following Jesus. But of course, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I'll get into that in a second. But before I do that, I want to tell you about Blockcraft. Now, Blockcraft is the cheap parents version of Minecraft, and it is, and yeah, right here, and it is one of the many games that kids of this generation love to play that has uh, terrible graphics and interactive communication, and importantly, world building, okay? The world building element is critical. So my younger son, Noah, he loves it more than life itself, and he's created this entire world on my iPad is incredibly complicated, and it includes a secret cubby house in a mountain. He'd want me to tell you that. He's very proud of that right now. And um, it's very complicated. It's very complex. He spent hours on it, right? Hours. Like, over time, obviously, we're very good with screen time as parents. Don't judge us. But in some ways, right, this is really, really cool. 
because it combines that Lego element of creativity and world building, but because it's digital, you can help build other people's worlds too if they let you, and you can let them explore your world too if you let them, and it's, it's all very tame and fun, and the amount others can explore depends on what you want to let them do. However, there is a catch. There's always a catch. Blockcraft can only host one user per app. And you may be thinking, okay, Mike, that doesn't seem like a big deal. Let me tell you when it's a big deal. When you have three kids that love playing Blockcraft and you have two iPads, that's when it's a big deal. If you can only have one user per app, that means that out of my three kids, only two of them can have accounts. Now, when you're talking about world building, this is an issue. Because there have been times when a bored sibling has come along and just sort of picked up an iPad and been like, oh, I just think I'll play for a bit. And they'll just play with whatever device is closest. And to do that, they have to invade somebody else's created Blockcraft world and reshape it or add to it or delete stuff, all in ways that they like, but the other sibling doesn't. And church, you're going to be stunned to believe this, doesn't go down super well in the wardrobe household. There are tears, there are tantrums, there are just out and out, like sobbing, melting wrecks. Here is why we have these tears and melting wrecks. Because kids don't play Blockcraft to be part of a collaborative world. They play it because they want to shape the world in their own image. That's why they play it. The same thing goes with Lego and Roblox and The Sims. And take your pick throughout history. For generations, children have asked this question. How do I build and control my own world? And for kids, this is a really fun, creative activity. But for adults, this is the essential source of our rebellion against God. How do I build my own world? How do I do it? Last year, I preached about the movie Black Panther. Absolute cracker movie. Get around it if you haven't seen it. And, and one of the central themes in Black Panther is this. Which king do you choose? Like There's this iconic line where Killmonger stands up and screams, is this your king? Right? Is this your king? And this week, I've been watching the Godfather movies, which are unbelievably good. Like Just peak cinematic watching, you know? Don't have a go against the family, you know? Making off and you can't refuse. Marlon Brando, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, what do you want? Honestly, what do you want from filmmaking? It's that good. But they have the same theme. Who's your king? Who do you choose to follow? Which family? That's why family is so important. The Godfather movies, Black Panther, ultimately, they have the same theme, but they also have the same problem. The problem keeps rising up. The king keeps changing. So people give their allegiance to a certain king, but when the king keeps changing, it leaves them disillusioned and confused, or in the case of the Godfather movies, extremely dead. A lot of people die in the Godfather trilogy. Now, why does this happen? Because ultimately, sin takes root in the human heart, friends, and it causes us to want to be king ourselves over our own lives. This is at the heart of so many great stories throughout history. Not the question of who is king, but will they stay king? Because when you become a king, you get a big target on your back. Other people want that kingdom. We crave power and control in our own lives. This is why COVID-19 has been such a shock for us, church. We want power and we want control, and suddenly COVID has meant we're out of control and we don't know what to do about it. It's very jarring. We want to know that we can get what we want when we want. To be honest, none of us have changed that much from kids playing Blockcraft. We still don't want other people meddling in our kingdoms. This is the kingdom of individualism that we live in here in the West, a self-styled monarchy 
where we rule over a subject of one. And we're happy to trade with the other individual queens and kings unless they threaten to invade our kingdom. Now, I know it sounds like you're playing like some online game here, but just think about this. What happens to you when somebody questions your actions? Do you react really calmly? You say, yeah, great point. Is that how you react? What about somebody who votes differently to you? What if you were chatting to somebody and they were like, oh, I'm a Greens voter? Or like, oh, no, I'm a member of the Liberal Party. How do you vote? How do you respond to that? How do you respond to somebody who votes differently from you? No doubt you think their opinion is just as valid as yours, right? Is that, that's how you respond? What do you do when you're challenged on something you believe? How do you respond? If we set ourselves up as queens and kings of our own one-person monarchies, we find ourselves constantly fighting against alternative opinions, or better yet, the crazy idea that we might be wrong. We might actually be wrong. And I'm not even trying to tease here. This is a real problem. But what the Lord's Prayer does is it breaks down that idea. Because in the Lord's Prayer, we're not only challenged to ask, who is our king? And not only to follow an everlasting king, but to participate in the building of that kingdom ourselves, exactly like the petitions say. We pray to God, your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not yours, on earth as in heaven. God's. God's kingdom. God's will. So how do we do that and why? Well, let's dig into today's teaching text a bit. Because in this, we hear a part of Jesus teaching parables on the kingdom of God. And pretty much any parable Jesus teaches, you can bet that the kingdom of God is at the heart of it. This is at the very center of Jesus' theology and what he was trying to teach and unpack and break into the world. The kingdom of God is the ultimate outcome of all that Jesus teaches. The teaching that anything and everything belongs to God and one day we will see it exactly as it was meant to be. The kingdom in all its fullness. That's the kingdom of God. And in these two parables, we hear two versions of the same story. In the first one, we see a man inspecting a field and discovering something buried in it. Something more valuable than anything he's ever found in his whole life. And it's so valuable that he sells all his possessions to buy the field. And the second is like it. It's a pearl merchant. Now that's somebody who is an expert at finding and evaluating valuable things. Maybe to up-translate it to our day, we'd call them a, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur or a business mogul or something like that. And he finds something that in Jesus' words is priceless. So he sells all he has to buy it. In these parables, the treasure hunters discover the jackpot, the ultimate prize. And the pearl of great price is a great story in that it reminds us very quickly and simply that there's nothing more important than the kingdom of God. If something is priceless, of course, you have to give away everything in order to get something that is priceless. That makes sense. We get it. But the parable of the hidden treasure is a little bit stranger. Because the treasure hunter doesn't just buy the field, he sells everything else he has to get it. But he's already hidden the treasure. Like it's, it's just a field. It looks like not everybody knows this treasure. Couldn't he just get it at, at sale price? Like couldn't he be just bargaining in auction, just go an extra couple of grand higher, and then he's, you know, he can still keep his laptop or whatever? He's still got some things? It doesn't seem to make sense. The pearl is priceless, sure. But this field is just a field. But Jesus says no. He says in his excitement, or in other translations, it says in his joy, the man sells everything to buy it. Because when you have the greatest treasure imaginable, you don't need to hoard any other treasures. You don't need to hoard any other treasures. Friends, here's the thing about the kingdom of heaven. It is the greatest treasure imaginable. 
It is the vision of God begun in the Garden of Eden. It will be completed at the end of days. And since the coming of Jesus, it has been breaking into our world. And if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good for yourself, then the challenge is there. Give up the rest of what you own to buy it. Give up what you're holding on to. Because make no mistake, the kingdom of God has a cost. And the cost is your life. Everything. You can't operate as king of your own tiny individual kingdom and expect the fullness of God's kingdom to break into your life because the two kingdoms come into conflict. You can't expect God to trust you with the treasures of your kingdom when you don't trust him with your job opportunities, when you don't trust him with your sex life, when you don't trust him with your ATAR, with your grandchildren. If you want to know why don't I hear from God in church, part of the answer is you don't really want to hear what he has to say. You want to hear what you have to say. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, Mike, yeah, that that might be true for somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet, but I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Okay. Do you? All of him? What about uh, what he teaches about marriage and divorce? What about what he teaches about justice for the poor? What about his separate, talking about separation of sheep and goats at the end of days? What about how he tells you that he doesn't just come bring, to bring peace, but a sword to separate mother and daughter, father and son, brother and sister? Do you truly love Jesus' kingdom, or do you just love the parts that align with your kingdom? Do you really want God's future, or do you want your version of the future? Because I think, church, truth be told, You and I would rather be kings of our own kingdom. But how's that working out for you so far? How's that working for you? Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer for a moment. Because when we get to these petitions, your kingdom come, your will be done, we realize that Jesus is saying the same thing that he's saying in the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl. In order to gain the treasure of the kingdom of God, We need to give up the lesser treasures in our lives. It's so important. The kingdom of this world says, pursue what makes you happy and you'll be fulfilled. It says, buy everything you want. Give just enough away so that you can tell people how generous you are and virtue signal to your heart's content. Create a life script where you're the hero. And as long as you don't interfere in the kingdoms and life scripts of others, the world will gradually turn into a utopia where there's no more war, no more selfishness, no more greed, no more injustice. How's that been going for you so far? Does that look like the world around you? The kingdom of God says, give up everything and follow Jesus. Place your will underneath God's will. Pursue not your vision of peace, justice, and goodness, but his. Because it requires an incredible amount of courage to do this, friends, but but that's the offer. Everything for everything. Everything for everything. Here's the great question you might be asking, though. Where does prayer actually come into this? Isn't this just about willpower and changing your mind and, and action? Well, friends, last week I spoke about the Father heart of God that when we can learn to trust God as Father, we begin to see our whole world transformed. It changes our lives when we can trust God as Father. And this week, as we pray that staggering prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done, we build on that trust. We've got to start 
with God the Father. That's where we start with the Lord's Prayer. Because until we trust God as Father, we don't really want his vision of the coming kingdom. If you can't trust him, why would you trust his vision of the kingdom? Why would you trust his picture of the future? You might as well go with like Obama's or Trump's or whatever your flavor is. If you don't trust God's vision, you're just going to fall back on your own. When we trust in God as our Father, then we as little children, even though we don't fully grasp the scope of all of the vision that God has for us, because we trust in him as our Father, we can believe in his vision. Not in our own understanding of his vision, but in his vision. Because we see it like children. He sees it like a father. And so we start to pray. We say, God, will you transform me so that I actually believe what I'm praying? Will you help me to believe what I say and so believe in you? There's this beautiful passage in the Gospels where a centurion comes to Jesus and Jesus says, anything's possible if you believe. And he says, Lord, I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. That's what praying the Lord's Prayer does. It helps you with your unbelief. It helps you take what you want to pray and make it happen. Friends, we pray the Lord's Prayer so that we can be internally transformed and changed to be like Jesus. Trusting in God's vision and laying down our own. We ask to be like Jesus because that's when heaven invades earth. That's when you're going to see the miracles you want to see. That's when you're going to see healings. That's when you're going to see your neighborhoods transformed. See goodness, life, and light. See kindness, generosity, and wisdom. You see, we learn to trust the Father's heart for us because when we do that, we intentionally build his kingdom. This becomes part of what we do naturally. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're not only placing our will underneath the will of God, and we're not only dedicating ourselves to practical response with God. We are putting the ultimate responsibility back in the hands of the king because it's his kingdom. We are praying our way to a new kingdom. We're not just hoping We're not just doing our own thing. We're praying our way to a new kingdom. We're not only saying it and doing it, we're believing it, church. That's what needs to happen. Our prayers begin to transform our spirits. We are praying in a way to see other people and situations change because of the power and consistency of our prayers. We see our prayers transform others and transform the world as we first allow them to transform us. You see, there's a lot of different reflections on these, of these parables that I could go through. Marriage is a reflection of these parables. Having children is a reflection of these parables. But I don't want to talk about that for now. I don't want to talk about this for now. You know, let me just talk about kids for a moment. Having kids is a reflection of this parable. Because insecure parents will say, I want you to be like me. Or worse, I want you to like me. There's a big problem if that's what you want as a parent. But secure parents pray, not say, pray, Lord, help them to look like Jesus, to build your kingdom, not mine. Because the greatest fear and the greatest hope of every parent is the same, and they both need to be rejected, is that they will look like us. It's the greatest fear and hope of every Christian parent and every non-Christian parent. And we have to put that to death and pray, God, let them look like you, and pray that over the lives of our children. That's ultimately about letting go, letting God do the real work through our children. The kingdom of God requires us to let go of our kingdom and let God build his within us. So as we come to a close, I I just wonder this. I wonder if, like many people, 
You know that there's more to life than what you can see, but you struggle to believe that your personal prayers would have any impact on the world. Can I just tell you, that's totally understandable. There is something, as we're crying out, we go, is anyone listening? Or maybe it is you just don't fully see what God is longing to do. Well, let me tell you, because he's given us part of the picture of what he's longing to do. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5, this is what we hear from John. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God's vision is coming. When Jesus came, it began to break through. And when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, it breaks through again into our own lives and echoes into the world as we let God's will stand over our will, as we let it transform us. Just to finish, let me say this. Reconciliation Sunday is a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Because when we participate in reconciliation, when we see racial barriers erode and fall away, when we pray for God to help us see our indigenous brothers and sisters with eyes like Jesus, we become part of what Paul called the ministry of reconciliation, seeing heaven meet earth. So do you want to see heaven meet earth today? Well, here's what you can do. You can pray that God will help you see and love indigenous people like he does. You can pray that they receive the same kind of justice that every other culture and race do, that their history is honoured, that their people are loved. Pray that you would help them wipe the tears from their eyes through your kindness. Pray that you would see the Spirit of God moving among them, God dwelling among them as he does a work amongst every people in our country. When you pray that, you'll begin by changing your own heart and praying your way into a new kingdom. And you see people's lives transformed. Friends, you and I know that the life script that we've been following isn't working. The kingdom of this world has not delivered on its promises. So let's pray our way into a new kingdom. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.